Let's pray. It is only because of your goodness and your mercy that we are alive. You could have given us what our sins deserve. But because you're rich in mercy, not only are we alive, but above all, we are alive in Christ. And according to what your son said, you love us, Father, just the same way you loved your son. And that is amazing. It's because of your goodness and mercy that we are standing today in your presence. Because your word says if you were to take a record of sin, who could stand? But Jesus, because you stood for us on the cross, we can now stand in the presence of your Father. Not as a slave, not as an enemy, but as sons and daughters, cherished, loved, blessed. And Lord, it's only because of your goodness and mercy that I can even stand behind this pulpit today. It's not by works of righteousness which I've done. It's not because of anything that I've accomplished. It's only because of your mercy. Help me today to communicate your word to a people who are hungry for your word. Give us strength to apply the things you're saying to this church. Thank you that we get to be here. And my is it good. We've tasted and we've seen that the Lord is good. Blessed are all who trust in him. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Praise God for the Levites this morning. People who praise God on instruments and people who take seriously the importance of worshiping God, not only with heart, but also with skill. I'm caught up worshiping, but I'm also blessed by the skill that is being rendered to God. You know, when David went to play uh, for Saul, they just didn't grab any old body to come and play for him. He was a man of skill. That's what yeah. the Bible says. Yeah. And God used the skill, but above all, the, the spirit of God that was upon David to override the evil spirits that were upon Saul. So I pray that today you felt the peace of Jesus, uh, the breath of God, and even the hope of God just by being in his house and in his presence today. Turn over to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. We're speaking of deacons right now. So if you're a guest with us, we are speaking of deacons. Because it's important that we continue to build upon the infrastructure of the church so that it's healthy. So that we're doing church the way God prescribed for us to do church. Acts chapter 6, speaking of deacons, part 2. As I begin, I want to share something with you that I've heard, but I never knew what the reason or the meaning of it was. And that is that Tennessee is the volunteer state. I've heard that. There's a school about three and a half hours from here that wears orange and they call themselves the Tennessee Volunteers. But I never understood where that name came from until I did some research. And in the War of 1812, under the leadership of General 
Jackson, uh, we were fighting Great Britain. And the story is told that a large number of Tennesseans volunteered to fight in the War of 1812. Now, as history tells us, those people who came from Tennessee actually did not fight in that war because the war was already won by the time they got there. But General Jackson was so impressed with the throngs of people that came from Tennessee that he paid for their way to get back home to Tennessee. But then in 1815, in what is known as the Battle of New Orleans, or New Orleans, New Orleans, I don't know how you pronounce it, you know, we got some people from New Orleans, I'm gonna watch how I say that. New Orleans, Nolens, they just, you know, making one word. Battle of Nolens, in 1815, 2,000 uh, citizens from Tennessee volunteered for that particular war, and we won. And then in the Mexican War, upwards of 30,000 people from Tennessee volunteered for that war. So as the wars would go on, the number of volunteers would grow, and we earned the distinction of being the volunteer state. Now, how many of you know that the church, like very few organizations, relies on volunteers who have to show up? who have to sign up, who have to stand up, because if we don't have volunteers, the church can't function. Uh, as a matter of fact, that's how it's supposed to be. But we're not volunteering for an earthly army that's fighting earthly battles. We are, we are volunteering for an eternal king who has an army that has already won. And our service to him and for him is for his glory. And out of that comes our satisfaction and even our good. So we're in the Lord's army and we volunteer to serve him in his church. The church is probably, as I mentioned, around the world, utilizing more volunteers than any other organization on the planet. So if the volunteers don't show up, then the church can't function the way that it's supposed to. Now let me take it a step further because you have volunteers in the Lord's army to serve him using the gifts that he's provided us to glorify him and edify the body. So if you're not using your gifts, if you're not volunteering, you are in sin because he created you not to sit, but he created you to serve, to glorify him with what he gave you, not to bury your gift in the ground, but to use your gift to volunteer. So if you haven't found a place in the kingdom, whether in this church or outside of the church, where you are serving the Lord and bringing glory to his name and edifying his people, contact us. We'll help you. We'll give you a spiritual gifts test. We'll find a place for you to serve in the church. But God saved you that you might serve him until you get to heaven. And so we have volunteers. But there's another group of volunteers I want to talk about today. And these are volunteers on steroids. <laughs> These are volunteers who go to the next level, to the 10th power. And I'm talking about volunteers who are ordained. Oh man, man, you got volunteers and then you got volunteers who are ordained. That means God's hands have been laid on them through his people authorizing them in front of the people to do what he's called them to do. Yeah, we all serve the Lord, but ordained people know that it's taken a little bit higher. And we shouldn't take anything lightly when it comes to the Lord, 
but especially when you are ordained as an elder or as a deacon or a deaconess, your service, your commitment, your dependability goes to a whole nother level. How in the world do you think I've gotten so much mileage out of our elders over all of these years? You see, I'm paid to be good. But my elders, them brothers are good for nothing. They don't get paid anything. <laughs> but they show up, meeting after meeting, service activity after activity. Man, they, I can depend on my guys. And here's the thing, I know that they're not there first and foremost for me. They're not even there first and foremost for the church. They're there first and foremost because they feel this spiritual obligation to serve the Lord. And it just so happens to show up in his church towards his pastor and the people in the church. So my guys are committed. Current elders, Elder Clifton, who rolled off, trying to roll that brother back on as soon as possible. Clifton like, hold on, Pastor, hold on, let me get a little break. Pastor, let me get a little break. Alfreda said, praise the Lord, amen. And the same is true with deacons. Deacons, I'll explain who deacons are in a moment. But you get more mileage out of people who are ordained. You see, having people assigned to serve in official capacities, official or in the offices of the church. There are two offices of the church, elder, pastor, bishop, you know, those things are interchangeable. And then there's deacon, deaconess. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment as far as uh, uh, different offices or, or how people see it differently. But having people assigned to serve in official capacities is critical to a church's success. At the end of this message, you're going to get one of these ballots right here. It's orange for the balls. It's orange. And uh, you are going to list candidates. You're going to give the elders and I names of people that you believe could serve in this office of deacon slash deaconess. Okay? So we're going to hand this out to you in a minute. So I want you to be thinking. But above all, pay attention to the things I'm going to say right now because it's going to give you a, 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 a template through which to uh, judge your thoughts concerning who should be deacons and deaconesses in this season at Strong Tower Bible Church. Now, my, uh, my pastor is here this morning. Uh, Dr. Alan McFarland and his lovely wife, they are here today. And um, I got to be in my P's and Q's because my pastor, my mentor, my father-in-law, my father. I mean, this is my guy. Now, now my father-in-law is a Baptist. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Independent Baptist, I might add. And I grew up Baptist. But I am like non-denominational. I got some Baptist, got a little Pentecostal. Sometimes we call it Bapticostal. You know, I'm just a mutt you know, theologically and denomination. I got a little bit of everything. Because the pastor multiracial church, we got quite a few mutts up in here. You know, y'all done come from Church of God in Christ, uh, Church of Christ, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Lutheran. Uh, some of y'all just came from Street University right up in here with, with no church learning at all. And the only way we can make that work is because we focus on Jesus. And we can agree to disagree in an amicable way over secondary matters. And so that's Strong Tower, this motley crew called Strong Tower Bible Church. 
And so in the local church, God gives every church freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not every church is going to be the same. Not every church is going to set up its government the same. Not every preacher is going to preach the same. Not every choir is going to sing the same. There's freedom to worship the Lord. There is no one way to worship him or for his church to be set up. So in the midst of this freedom, God gives each of us great flexibility. And so, you know, some churches do it this way, other churches do it that way. But as long as we are functioning as the church, because God, I believe, he stresses the function over, of the church over the form that the church should take. Let me say it one more time. God is more concerned about how we're functioning as opposed to how we're formed. What good is being formed and having all your government together if you're not doing anything and doing the things properly in his name? He wants us to go forth and be salt and to be light. Many ways to do it. Many of you know that I cut my teeth as a gospel rapper. And that's really the thing that taught me how to minister and even how to preach. But when we got started back in the 80s, let the church say amen. Back in the 80s, when we had cassette tapes, Lord have mercy. When we went to cassette disc, you couldn't tell us nothing, man. Oh, boy. But when we started rapping, people weren't feeling us because it was non-traditional. But my father-in-law, the Baptist preacher, and I think he let us in, not just because I was dating your daughter, but you really believed that God was working through this rap stuff. And so God is not into the form. He's into the function that leads to the fruit of the ministry. So when my father-in-law tasted the fruit of our lives and what we were doing, even though it was a form that he wouldn't do, he probably could, but it's a form that he wouldn't do, he embraced us. And that's how the church should be. So when we go to Acts chapter 6 today, we're going to see the church developing some of its form. We're going to see the prototypes to the deacons or the diaconate. Look at Acts chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the, of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That word serve is in the Greek word. In the Greek, it is diakonos. That's where we get deacon from. So a deacon is a servant. A deacon is a minister. A deacon is a table waiter. Therefore, verse 3, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicenor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So that's the dispensing of authority. So the people presented the names of the people that they felt could meet this need in the church. 
they presented these names to the apostles. The apostles signed off on it and they laid their hands on them, meaning that they authorized them to do this job. Verse 7, then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so we see a couple of things here about these prototypes. Uh, there was a problem in the church that needed deacons. There were people being neglected in the church when it was time to feed the widows. So the church had this feeding ministry, a soup kitchen, if you will, that ministered to the widows who were in town. But a problem occurred because there were some people who felt like those people should not have the kind of food that these people get. And so because of that problem, a solution had to come forth. And we see that the deacons had a purpose. And I'm going to say this to you, and you'll see this on this orange card, that to be a deacon is to be ordained, to be an ordained, hands-on extension of the apostles in that case, but in our case of the elders, who serve and meet felt needs in the local church. That's what a deacon is. They're a hands-on extension to keep the elders and the pastors from having to do certain tasks that would keep them from the main task of being in prayer and being in the word. And a lot of people think that that's not work. Praying and studying and ministering the word isn't work. They think that we get a Saturday night special. That Saturday, well, sometimes God will give it to me on Saturday night, but I'm going to study all night before I get up in here. Because having my father-in-law here is one thing, but I also keep in mind that I'm under strict judgment because Jesus is here and he wants to know how I'm handling his word. So it's no light thing. So I got to hear from God. This is just not trying to get a sermon. This is about trying to get a word. And that takes time. Usually when I ask other people to preach who are not normal in preaching, they hibernate. You can't find them all week. They gone because they got to study. They got to pray. They calling on folk. They reading. They listening to stuff. But as pastors, we've got to be able to do that and do so many other things. But the deacons come to free us up so that there are some things we don't have to do. I shouldn't be out here cutting grass on Saturday. That's not the best use of my time. I'm not above cutting the grass. I like cutting grass, but I know other people really like cutting the grass. Because what good is it if I'm not hearing from God? I get up here every week and give you these uh, baloney sermons. sermons. Y'all need some meat up in here, not baloney. And so the deacons, their hands-on extensions of the pastors and elders, they free us up to do what we do so that they can serve and meet felt needs in the church. Man, I'm so glad these apostles didn't try to do everything on their own, but they learned to delegate. They learned to give power away. That's how the church grows. Then we see the properties of these deacons. So the apostles said, now, we want y'all to pick some people, but just don't pick anybody. We're going to set up some guidelines for y'all to operate within. And that's what leaders do. Here are the parameters. These people must be reputable. They must be worthy of respect. Then these people must be spiritual. Because when you serve in people, who haven't gotten their food yet. You can't be carnal. Because folk, you ever see people work fast food? 
and they got an attitude while they're there working fast food? You shouldn't have taken this job if you don't like serving people. They make you feel bad because you're coming in there trying to get service. Because they're not spiritual. A spiritual person can be long-suffering with people who are attitudinal. <laughs> I made that word up. <laughs> Pastors can make words up. Because <laughs> attitudinal, they're all up in the church. So if you're not spiritual, you'll be down there fussing, fighting, cussing with the people you suppose, oh, you're not ready to be a deacon. We're making the news for the wrong reason. Uh, over at Strong Tower Bible Church, a fight broke out during the Wednesday night food time. Oh, man, we can't have You got to be spiritual. You got to be reputable. You got to be spiritual. You got to be practical. means you got to have some wisdom. Because you're going to be dealing with stuff that arise. And you shouldn't have to always call the pastor or call the elders to figure out how to do stuff. Dick and Jesse will tell me stuff two or three weeks later after something happened. And it'll be something big. I'm like, man, how come you didn't tell me that? And he'll say, well, pastor, you just didn't need to know that. We handled it. We took care of it. My God, that's a deacon right there. Thank you! <laughs> and then there's this process that we see. And again, there's flexibility, there's freedom, there's no one way to get deacons. But from this church, we saw that they asked the people, because y'all know the people the best, who do you think should serve? And if you notice, the people who were the minority in the church, the Hellenist Jews, the ones who were neglected and discriminated against because they were of another language and of another culture, the people that were selected were Hellenist men because of the names that we see in Acts chapter 6. So in order to fix this problem that the minorities complained about, it was a legitimate problem, the church chose minorities to step into that place of leadership to fix the problem. And when they brought them to the apostles, the apostles said, y'all make good choices. Matter of fact, one of these guys is so full of the Holy Spirit, he's going to go on and be a preacher in the next chapter. So these are multi-gifted, multi-faceted people. And so that was this process. People, here the, here the, here's the need. Y'all get together and come up with some names and bring them back to us. And that's what the elders and I are asking you to do. Because there was a productivity that occurred. Because after these folks got in place, the Bible says the church began to grow. The number of disciples multiplied. Priests started coming to the faith. Why? Because the community was watching how the church handled an internal problem. You see, some people think in the world that Christians don't have problems. No, we have problems. They think that the church uh, uh, is not dysfunctional. No, no, it's dysfunctional because it's full of dysfunctional people who are in process, as Elder Tyler said. Just even on Wednesday night, we had a small little hiccup trying to come together with a majority Caucasian church. Because as our children were dismissed to go to their classes, the adults stayed in the gymnasium, and the children and the teens went to their own classes. Well, one of our Latino children went to a class where in that class there were Caucasian children who were teasing our Latino child, saying, build the wall, build the wall. Well, when I got word of that, I contacted the pastor. And I said, I know this is going to break your heart. And guess what? Because I know him a little bit, it broke his heart. 
And he said, I'm going to apologize personally to the family and to the child that was offended. Then I'm going to go deal with it up in our church. And let's make sure you and I talk on Monday. And that's why Strong Tower and Harpeth Hills have to be together for stuff like that. Oh, they're going to learn today. They gonna, you can't, no, not up in, period, but especially not in God's house. Now, you're going to learn today. And so when those kind of things get solved, the, ch- the community says, oh, the church is real. Y- y'all just not so spiritual that y'all don't deal with social and, and real life stuff. But look at how y'all deal with it. Y'all deal with it with grace and tact and precision and love. I want to join that church. And that's how that church began to grow. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Oh, you got to go over there real quick. Real quick. This is when Paul zeroes in a little bit more on what deacons are supposed to be about. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Because I want you thinking of deacons. Who can be a deacon in Strong Tower? Who can be a deaconess? Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued. You don't even need to know Greek to know what that means. We can't have you serving people and then talking about people that you serve. <laughs> Lord help us. Not given to much wine. <laughs> I'm going to keep moving. I don't want no <laughs> drunk deacons. Not greedy for money. Why? Because you're handling money. If you got a money urge, you might put your hands in there and try to take some of it. No, no, no. You've got to have that kind of character that is above reproach. Holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. In other words, spiritual. Not just somebody like to serve all the time. You ever meet people that like to serve, but they don't do it in the strength of the Holy Spirit, and they like to let you know every time they do something for you, and they do it with an attitude. It ain't with the joy of the Lord. We don't need those people serving as deacons. We really don't need them serving anywhere in the church. You need to have an attitude check. Because, man, if you can't serve people with a smile and with the joy of the Lord, look like you've been baptized in lemon juice, come on, you got to correct that. You got to get that right. Put a smile on your face. Even if you got to crack your makeup on your face. Smile. <laughs> Verse 10, but let these also first be tested. Paul don't tell us how to test them. He don't say sit them down in the classroom and test their understanding of Old Testament, New Testament. He just says test them. In other words, there's freedom in how each church tests deacons. But make sure you test them. Don't put somebody in place that hasn't been tested. But here it is. The best people you put in place in de- as a deacon or a deaconess are people you see doing it already. They don't get the office and then decide to serve. No, they're already serving and the office is presented to them and most of them will say, I don't want it. I'm not worthy. I just want to serve. I don't want no titles. That's the people you want. <laughs> the people want the title. Can I get me a parking space outside that says deacon? <laughs> We don't want you. (laughs) We don't want you. Oh, man. He says, then let them serve as deacons. Being found blameless. In other words, above reproach. They've got character. Likewise, their wives. Because sometimes the deacons would serve with their wives two by two. Some translators, like John MacArthur, would even say that their wives here can speak of women who serve as deacons or deaconesses. Uh, Nevertheless, let their wives 
be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of, of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Those who have served well. And can I take one moment? We've got two deacons in our church right now. And, and, and we, they need help. And they have been serving for years at Strong Tower Bible Church. So as we're adding elders and working on the elder team, we haven't given much attention to the diaconate because the two of them have served so faithfully. They've been so dependable. We've had, uh, we had three at one point, but Brother Asa moved to D.C. And now we're, we're here with Loretta and with Jesse. And I've just got to look at this passage. It says, for those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. We're about to get them some help in a minute. But can I thank God for Sister Loretta and Brother Jesse. Thank you, Jesus. Serving through sickness. Serving when you don't want to come. Serving when you're tired of church folk. I don't even know where Jesse is right now. He's probably patrolling the parking lot. He'll do that kind of stuff. They're hands-on extensions of me and the elders, ordained and authorized to meet felt needs in the church. Oh my, thank God for them, for those volunteers on steroids. Go to Romans 16 as we close. Go back to Romans 16. Romans 16. Because I might have some people who say, I don't know what background you come from. But the authority of scripture supersedes any and every church constitution. Because sometimes we just get caught up in tradition. But tradition isn't always based on truth. And somebody may have a problem with deaconesses. Please don't have a problem with that. Because I'm going to show you how Paul did not have a problem with that. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Paul, as he comes to the end of this letter, that has been called the constitution of the local church. He says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So he knows the culture that he's in, that it can be a chauvinistic culture, male chauvinist, degrading and disrespectful towards women. But Jesus is doing a new thing with the church. And so Paul is saying, I commend to you Phoebe. And many theologians believe that she is the carrier of the letter of Romans to that particular church. So she carried it for Paul from Sincrea to the people in Rome. And you don't entrust something like that to people who are not dependable. And so he knew about this woman, and he knew that she was dependable to carry the word from here to there. But notice it says she was a servant of the church in Sincrea. 
The word servant goes back to the Greek word diakonos. We could break it down and transliterate it and say she was a deacon of the church in Sancria, meaning that the church in Sancria ordained women to serve and meet felt needs in the church. And she happened to be one of their prime leaders in that church. And they sent her, Paul sent her with the letter to the church in Rome. She was meeting a felt need of the apostle who couldn't make that trip at the time. So she took that letter from him and says, I'll take it there and deliver it personally. And you can count on me because I'm reputable. I'm spiritual. I'm practical. And yes, sister girl was dependable. And Paul said, this woman has helped so many people, including myself. Isn't it good when men speak up for women in a male-dominant society and say that our sisters have value? Matter of fact, in so many ways, our sisters can just trump, excuse me, I didn't mean to use that word, but our sisters, come on back, don't leave me, come on back. I'm in process. When it says that she's a helper, I had to look this up. This is one who stands by in case of need. She stands by in case of need, and, and it uses the whole uh, uh, Greek Olympics kind of a thing, which caused my mind, like a trainer, and it brought my mind to gymnastics. When those men and women get on the rings and on the uneven bars, and there's the coach, the trainer, standing by just in case the grip slips so that the person on the apparatus does not fall down and injure himself or herself. That coach is there to assist, to help. Sometimes even pick them up to get them started. That's how Phoebe was to Paul. She was there to spot him. She was there to help. Paul said, y'all better receive my sister. I'm sending one of the best to y'all. Y'all better make sure y'all take care of her. So strong tower. We have been successful as a church because we relied on volunteers. Thank God for you. Thank God for your obedience to the Holy Spirit. That because you know that when you serve and when you give, you are more like Jesus than ever. When you serve and when you give. And when we can get to do that in here, using our gifts from the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, the church grows. But then there are some of those volunteers who are on steroids, like Jesse and like Loretta. But they just can't keep doing this alone. So the new diaconate, is going to be led by Pastor Jerry. Pastor Jerry is going to oversee the diaconate. They're going to meet quarterly or whenever a need arises. He'll figure all of that stuff out. And some of the areas that we need help in the church, ordained people to go beyond a volunteer, is to help with baptism ministry. Because I don't like to see Pastor Jerry setting up, taking down, getting all that stuff together. I don't like to see Felicia having to wash the robes and, 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 and the towels and bring them. No, no, no. We've got other people who can rise up to that. And not only help with the physical stuff of baptism, but also do the interviews of people who want to be baptized. Because deacons are also to be spiritual. Oh, we need help with the grounds. Because Brother Jerry said, now when I add the math up, what I'm paying to get the grass cut, we can go ahead and buy one of these riding mowers because we got brothers who come up on Saturdays and push mowers. They got the heart, but let's get them some better tools. We need some guys on the grounds because we in a real expensive neighborhood and, and, and the building looks a little raggedy. We're going to talk about that later. You know, we're going to put a coat of paint on this bad boy. 
but we can at least keep the grass manicured and the weeds. And there are people who love to do that. They got green thumbs and stuff. Then there are people who are into facility care. I can barely change a light bulb. You don't want me on a ladder. You don't want, but there are people, man, they see this stuff. They know how to fix stuff. They know how to get it together so that when there's a problem, Jerry doesn't have to try to call out first. There may be a deacon up in here or a deaconess up in here that know how to work a hammer and a screwdriver and all that stuff. Then we need more help with security, communion ministry. That's a lot of work, setting up that stuff, getting it ready, ordering the supplies, and then benevolence so that we can have people on the ground who are more in tune with what's happening in the church. And they can be the ones, just like in the first church, who helped with the feeding program. Our deacons can help in the area of benevolence in the community and, of course, in the church so that the pastors and elders don't have to do that. Jerry will sign the checks, but he shouldn't have to be the one who gives it to somebody to help them pay their light bill. We can put that, and we will put that system together. We're going to get better. We're going to improve. So, Urshers, would you come forward, please? Urshers, Urshers. We got them, we got them, we got the orange. Please pass these out to the people. Kevin, would you play some Deacon Ballot signing out music? <laughs> there are four slots on here. You may know more. You may only know one. Some of you may not know any. But if there's a person or two that reminds you of the qualities of a deacon or a deaconess. Put their name down. For consideration. Doesn't mean that they will be, but put it down. And let's go a step further. If you feel called to be a deacon or a deaconess, put your name down. Put your name down. Amen. If you need a pen, I believe the Urshas have pens too. Take a moment. The elders will collect these cards for the next two weeks. We're going to do it this Sunday and next Sunday. For the people who weren't here today, we'll try to get them next week. If you want to vote again next week because God put somebody on your heart, do it next week. We encourage our members to participate. And we'd like for the deacon candidates to have been a member of the church at least a year. So if you just joined last month, we might not be ready for you just yet. Okay? So I know that's a lot, but y'all can do it. Who, who God put on your heart? I know I got a couple. Men and women. Yeah. Uh, We're we going to collect these up in the basket. Fold them up, church, because you got nosy members. Fold them up. We're going to give you a few more minutes. Before Brother Homer comes to pray, we're going to give you a few more minutes. And uh, I think while I have this time, I'm going to sing a song. Somebody say, take your time. Somebody say, take your time. Somebody say, say. <laughs> Don't do it, babe. Can I rap? No, but I'm too, I'm too tired to rap now. I don't know.
but I feel like going on. Thank you. Thank you. Brother Art, were you a singing preacher when you preached? Were you a singing preacher? Oh. I get you next week. All right. Anybody need more time? Need more time? We're together. This is a community, y'all. There are going to be people who are going to be like, what? They nominated me? Because the elders will reach out. Not to all of these, but to some of these. Because we're going to pray and we're going to discuss as well. And we'll see what the Lord does. I love when he grows his church. I love what he's doing. Amen. All right. My main man, Homer. Come on up, my man. Yes. You got mine? Praise the Lord. And we're going to vote again next week. As I mentioned, you may remember someone. Pray through the week. Think about your church. Because as Elder Tyler said, we have a work to do in God's kingdom. He's given us a lane to run in. He's given us a responsibility on the wall. And it just so happens to be to experience, to explain, and to expand his beautiful, diverse kingdom in the city and throughout the world. Amen. I'm glad to be here. Is anybody else glad to be here? Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah.